Today's episode of Run Past Michigan is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Michigan tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you serious cash. Game Time is a leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy a ticket in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get in the game. want the Big Ten Championship, and we're going to win it as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. When the old season is over, you and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. Okay, everybody, welcome back to another edition of Run Pass Michigan, our RPM podcast here on The Athletic. Uh, this is our early week free show, um, so if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, please, I don't know what you're waiting for, please go do so uh, to catch all of our episodes, including the one later in the week. Um, if you are already a subscriber, we appreciate you, and go over to iTunes and give us a review and rating, all that good stuff. Uh, I am Nick Baumgartner, here along with Austin Meek here in Ann Arbor. Austin, how are we doing today? Good. You know, I was I was having some back pain last week, and it just uh, miraculously cleared up. Uh, oh. <laughs> you beat Rutgers 52 nothing, and it just it, it, it cures a variety of, of maladies. A uh, shot of penicillin, is that, was that the uh, <laughs> quote, right? That was, yeah, that was the prescription. The Josh Uche quote. Well, of course, Michigan ends the Chris Ash era. Uh, oh, yeah. As strangely, strangely as it began, yeah. it was over. Pour one um, out for our buddy Chris Ash. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to get too deep into the Chris Ash era, but... Michigan started the Chris Ash era. It seemed like with he was he got himself involved in like a satellite camp squabble, oh. trying to get attention, and then Michigan beat him seventy eight nothing in the first year. And then I gotta feel like probably at halftime of that game when Rutgers' brass realized we are no closer to anything than we were that day. That was the end of that. But hey, we were both there for the end of the Chris Ash era. <laughs> I saw most of it. That's over with. In any event, Michigan did what it's supposed to do. Rutgers fifty two nothing. As much about probably a team in Michigan that needed to see some things go well as, as it was a team in Rutgers that's out of its mind here at this point. But mm-hmm. uh, for Michigan, um, yeah, obviously a chance to see some things on tape that worked. After a game like that at yeah. Wisconsin, I think that that's – I really don't care who the opponent is. If you if you see that, then I think that that's probably a good thing in some, in some capacity. Yeah, the way I put it is – Michigan has, is a team that has made winning look very difficult. Uh, sure. Even in the games they won, even Middle Tennessee, I wouldn't say they made that look easy. Uh, they won fairly comfortably, uh, but Army that was a that was a war. Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin, everybody knows what happens there. So regardless of who you're playing, just to have a game where it feels like things are flowing, it feels like it, it's coming naturally for that offense to be able to. Uh, to be able to look back at that film and say, "Hey, this is what it's supposed to look like. Yeah. Like this does work." Yeah. Uh, it, it maybe it uh, doesn't work against everybody the way it works against Rutgers, but just to be able to see somebody in a different uniform out there and to be able to show, "Hey, you know, we can do this. Like, you know, th- th- this thing does work." I gotta think there's there's some value in that. How yes. much value? We'll, yeah, I guess we'll find it's out. interesting because it's like. I feel like I've stepped into a couple weeks of a time warp here because when I was up at, you know, covering Michigan State at the beginning of the season, that was a similar theme where they were making things way too difficult on themselves and they needed to lessen their margin for error. They needed to make things easier on their own life. You know, like call offense that just wasn't so complicated to give yourself a better chance to function. 
And I'm not totally sure if they if they pared everything down all the way there um, because the run game is still really kind of choppy, but they did make life a lot easier on Shea Patterson in a game where if anybody needed to see some things land, it, it was him. You know, mm-hmm. and we, we wrote about it a little bit on Saturday afterward about, you know, how they, they did a nice job of minimizing his read time. You know, he struggled he struggled some as we know a little bit this year with with some of the uh, some of the zone coverage reads and couple that with the fact that they haven't been pass protecting very well and if you're asking him to scan the whole field, it's gonna take a lot longer. So that everything a lot of things anyway this week were one throwing window. So if it was three, four routes flooded to the right, three, four routes flooded to the left, all your progressions are there and he's able to make a cleaner read. The ball got out faster. And of course, Rutgers being Rutgers, guys got open and and they placed. But it, for Patterson, I think it was I can't seventeen to twenty three was that the final number? Yeah, two seventy six. Yeah, um, ran in three touchdowns, had the one touchdown pass, and did have an interception. But you know, f- for him to be you know pretty efficient um, even against Rutgers, I got to think for a quarterback who's had to be had to have been shaken mentally a little bit at least uh, that had to have been a, a good thing uh, and maybe one that maybe shouldn't even be overstated. That's just. How everybody else reacts to it is, is their own, you know, we'll see. But, like, for Patterson, he had to have a game where what a disaster it would have been if he had gone out there and been, like, 10 of 22 against Rutgers, right? I mean, that's right. the alternative. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the whole thing with playing Rutgers is, yeah. you know, <laughs> there, there's a disaster scenario yes. there. And as long as you avoid the disaster, then, you know, it, you have to you have to take it all with a grain of salt. It, it, you know, there's kind of, like two camps mm-hmm. uh there is the camp that's gonna say well it's just Rutgers nothing that happened in that game matters right. at all yeah. and then there's the camp that's like why aren't we getting more credit for what we did against Rutgers uh and in between that I think you can say yeah it's Rutgers uh you, you know you you have to view it through the lens of the opponent you're playing mm-hmm. uh but there's still a range of possibilities there uh if you go out and you play bad against Rutgers boy that's not making anybody feel any better yeah. Uh, you know, with Iowa coming in this week, uh, you look at that schedule moving forward. Pretty much every game now is either on the road or against a ranked team. So there's not any more games like this one where you you get to come home, uh, you know, and have the comfort of playing somebody uh, that's just a pushover. About to fire their coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, this. Uh, so you know, yeah, you got to temper it a little bit because it was Rutgers, but uh, you know, there's there's. More than one thing that can yeah. happen in this game, and and this was about the best that you could hope for in in, in a week like this. And I, I think it's important to view it through the lens of the team itself, Michigan's team, because in some years, like that seventy-eight nothing game we were talking about, that that was a contender, Michigan team. They were undefeated. It was a, I think it was October. They were rolling along, and they looked like a contender. Began they played like a contender. They'd beaten some people already. They were confident, and they did their job, and that was one of those games where you flushed it and moved on because it was like, all right, you did what you had to do, you move on. None of this really mattered. Mm-hmm. This team is not that. This does not look like uh, what we could <laughs> clearly dub a contender. This looks like a team that's still sort of struggling to find its own bearing, so I don't think it would be fair for folks to, to go on the one side of it and say, whatever happened in that game is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. We'll just move on because that would be – you're judging that team based on an expectation that doesn't exist. You're judging that team on a level that they're not at. And, yes, if this were Ohio State going into Rutgers and, and smoking them, fair enough. But that's not what Michigan is right now. Michigan is – don't get it. Don't get lost in that sort of mist um, that they're suddenly – you know, I mean, that was just an aberration last week or two weeks ago against Wisconsin. Now, this is definitely a team that needed confidence in a game like this, needed certain things to go their way. Whether or not they translate, I guess, is the conversation that, you know, we can have. But, like – 
I can't I can't deem this one irrelevant because like I thought about that I I did see a lot of it's only records it's only records and like you're just saying um, and fair enough but it's also like man that you know these guys are not at that level where you can just say any win is just a, I mean is a relevant deal it didn't matter it was uh, there were some things that that were important in that game for some guys to get some confidence about themselves. How long it'll last, I guess, now is, is the bigger question. Yeah, they're in the phase where anything that they can cling to now uh, yeah. to build on, they, they, they need, yeah. yeah. Including, like, you know, the revelation of Josh Gaddis <laughs> moving from the press box to the to the sideline. Uh, they they hey, they picked a great week to do that. Go for it. Yeah. Have at it. <laughs> to make the case that like yeah. this is the thing that's going to turn us around. I mean, there there's definitely <laughs> psychology there sure. in terms of if you believe that this works, yeah. then we're going to say it's that it's a uh, yeah, yeah. confident. You know, <laughs> you can't really quantify that stuff in no. confidence, but it is it, it is real. Like yeah. it matters. So if if for some reason you know having that security blanket of of Josh Gaddis standing there on the sideline calling the plays if it yeah. helps great I, yeah. yeah that's that was an interesting one because in any other scenario I would have felt like I don't care about any of this this is the most overblown narrative how different could it really be but for a first year guy who's never really done this before I yeah. gotta think that maybe it wasn't for him mm-hmm. I don't you know, for the rest of the team like Bredesen was like I didn't even know he was down there until <laughs> halftime but like for, for a lot of guys I'm sure it didn't do any it was no change but for him I think maybe that was, you know, we didn't talk to him today, but maybe mm-hmm. that was for him a chance to, you know, get himself back around the surroundings of, because I do feel like if there was a criticism, I mean, I, there was a few you could make, but one criticism that kind of rung true for those first three games was that it felt like Josh Gaddis was calling a game against error. Like he, he wasn't reacting to what the opponent was doing, and it was almost like somebody needed to go up there and be like, hey man, there's a football game going on here. Are you going to get involved with it, or are you just going to call whatever you planned on Wednesday, yeah. and we're just going to go, go forward here? So maybe being down there, being on the sideline, you know, seeing, hearing, feeling things, maybe that maybe that gets them back more involved a little bit, a little bit off of the, I, gotta, I, I planned everything out, and we're going to do it exactly like this, and maybe more into the reality of like, all right, it's a football game, nothing, nothing that we planned is is promised here so everything could change in that game it probably didn't but I mean moving forward I gotta think maybe that was a good thing to just get to get a reminder of yourself that this is still yeah. just a football game and you've got to react to it you can't just live in your own vacuum and I, I feel like that's what we saw and, and maybe more than anything at Wisconsin when it was just like what yeah. are you doing mm-hmm. I mean you know yeah and I think it's also an indication that the psyche of of this team and especially this offense yeah. Was a little bit fragile. It's fragile, yes. I, you know, we talked about it last week. Uh, if if one fumble in the red zone is enough to send you mentally into a tailspin, yeah, right. uh, then then your head isn't where it needs to be. Uh, and if if Josh Gaddis is the guy on the sideline who gets in the middle of everybody and says, "Hey, snap yeah. out of it. We got a game to play." Yeah. Great, because it's not apparent that that there's another guy right now that's doing that. You know, I thought it was interesting. After the game that Shea Patterson said, Josh Gaddis is the leader of our offense. Yeah. Uh, Shea Patterson didn't say, I'm the leader of our offense. Right. Now, you know, among the team, he may well be. And it, certainly we've heard him in the past say, I'm the starting quarterback. The ball is in my hands. It starts yeah. with me. So you know, he's, he's certainly taken that on himself. Uh, but the team did seem like they were in a moment yeah. where that belief was starting to waver a little bit. And if yes. if something had gone bad, those guys would have mentally gone right back to, oh, here we go yeah. again. I don't think Jim Harbaugh is the guy in the game necessarily 
who's going to get in the middle of everybody and, and say that? And maybe and you would we haven't know seen more. it. Yeah, um, we haven't seen it, and we've heard no evidence to suggest that that happened. I mean, that's you know, um, you know, he's watching every play right from the mm-hmm. side of the offense yeah. and defense, and, and and more so now probably than ever because he's not uh, as involved maybe with the offense. But you could see in their huddles, um, you know, at a timeout, TV timeout or something. It was Gaddis was, was Gattis, in the middle with yeah. Patterson, and everybody flanks around them and. When you look at the outside of the huddle, and there's a coach standing there looking over people's shoulders, it's Harbaugh. He's looking mm-hmm. into the huddle from the outside, letting Gaddis run run it. And, the, and I think the one takeaway was from Patterson, maybe some other guys, was that it felt more like practice um, to have him there and, and have him to be able to look over to him and see if there's an adjustment or whatever. He's there with the guys with the signs and everything. Um, so maybe that was a comfort level. I got to, th- I mean, maybe if it helped anybody, fair enough. But I got to think maybe it was more beneficial for Gaddis than anybody else. I just, you know, whether whatever his rationale was, I just feel like getting down there and, and remembering that this is still just, it's football, you know? I mean, because he's 35, 36, young guy, doing mm-hmm. this for the first time. Um, I mean, he got paid a lot of money, but that doesn't change the fact that he's never done this before. And sometimes that can be overlooked because we just think, okay, they paid this guy a million and a half dollars. He must mm-hmm. just be an expert at it. And, well, you know, like sometimes maybe not. So, um you know, if that instills more confidence, more power to him. I don't know if that's something that's going to turn the entire season around. Boy, I hope that's not the narrative people cling to because that's <laughs> going to get really annoying really fast. But that's another situation from their day. Um, it, everything was easier because Rutgers isn't very good, of course. But it's also, you got Donovan Peoples-Jones a little bit, running around a little bit more mm-hmm. out there. Nico Collins uh, as well had a touchdown catch. I think Tariq Black maybe had a couple. Um, and you got everybody maybe feeling a little bit better about themselves because you're going to need it because we just talked about that. You just mentioned the offense's psyche was a little fragile, and all of that can get washed away still right now because you're playing an Iowa team this week. Right. That is pretty close to what Wisconsin is, except they don't have Jonathan Taylor. So uh, another challenge ahead here. Yes, some kind of scary similarities probably yeah. if, if you're Michigan. I, I, maybe there's an excitement level to be able to you know to play a team like that at home and, and try to exercise some of those demons. But you know, one, one of the things that occurs to me is uh, the margin for error now is basically gone. Yeah. Um, and we talked about that a couple weeks ago with that Wisconsin game. Is That's not a game that you just absolutely have to win to accomplish the stuff you want to accomplish. Nice. But yeah. they'd be feeling a lot better about themselves right now right. if you've got that win in your back pocket. As it is right now, Like you can basically do whatever you want to do in college football with one loss. Like yep. You want to you go to the playoff? You can lose one game. Uh, you want to win your division, win your conference title, you can lose one game. You lose two games, now all of a sudden it's out of your hands. Yeah. You're counting on somebody else to help you out. Doesn't look like Ohio State's going <laughs> to no, <God. laughs> do Michigan any favors this year. <laughs> so now like this is where it really starts, where oh. you have to stack a bunch of really good weeks together, uh, starting with a good Iowa team. Uh, you know, I, I kind of... I cringe a little bit on you know on the the idea that well this Iowa game is is the measuring stick like yeah we saw the measuring stick right, and they Michigan came up way short yeah. so uh, winning this game does not necessarily like announce okay everything's great yeah uh, but it's something you got to do if there's if there's hope of getting this season back on on the trajectory that Michigan wants it to be on. I do think it can be a measuring stick for progress, mm-hmm. um, if nothing else. I do think it can be a measuring stick to see how far you've come in two weeks after you just got embarrassed. Because the physical challenge that I was going to bring in is pretty similar to what Wisconsin's going to do. They're going to pound the ball, all these things. So I think for Michigan, it's 
Um, it's are you, you know, mentally are you back maybe to where you should have been when the season started? And this is the weird part here now, is they're in this horribly unenviable position that's also kind of fascinating because they have been forced to do the last thing anybody wants to do four weeks into a season, which is stop everything, mm-hmm. pull off to the side of the road, and fix the engine of your race car <laughs> in the middle of the race yeah. and hope you don't lose too much ground. I mean, that's... Because you don't have any other choice. The other choice would be to keep driving a broken car and end up getting like the thing catches on fire and you just you, you can't even finish. So you had to you had to repair on the fly, which is never ever ideal of that mag- repairing of that magnitude, which is really getting under the hood and really checking everything out. And this I think will be an, a test and to see are they closer to where you know get to getting back to where they probably should have been when the season began. It's it's no mystery now at this point. Um, their fall camp did not go the way it needed to go. Mm-hmm. Their first couple weeks of the season, the preparation did not happen the way it needed to happen. That all got exposed when they got hammered at Wisconsin. That happened. There's no revisionist history there on that. There's not. There's not going to be any of, well, you guys overblew that or whatever. No, no, no. That that they that already happened. They they had opportunities to fix a lot of these things in fall camp. They didn't get it done. Now you've got to do it on the fly, which is really really difficult to do, especially offensively and then defensively. Um, I still have questions, uh, especially about the front, and I don't know if we have any answers. And again, another situation where I think that maybe progress can be tested, but boy, I just don't know. You know, against a team that's going to load up on you, and 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 I guess there's good and bad there in that. Iowa's Iowa will do this. Michigan State will try to do it. I don't know if there's many other teams that are just going to load up and bully you, but mm-hmm. if you prove to, incapable of defending that, maybe you'll see more of that because. Uh, you know that's something that maybe gets lost in the wash here because everybody freaks out about the offense. But that defensive front, front seven in general, was hammered at Wisconsin, and and this maybe will be a chance to see, you know, maybe how far some of those guys have come. Yeah, you know, there were a couple guys I thought defensively that really stood out against Rutgers. Uh, Cameron McGrone, yeah. and he's in there playing for Josh Ross, uh, a guy that you know I hadn't seen much of him. Right. Um, but he, you know, he he jumped out to you. There were a couple times that they turned him loose to get after the quarterback, and mm-hmm. and he was in the backfield fast. Yeah. Uh, Quiddy Pay is another guy who you know the expectations with him uh, were pretty high coming into the season. He was he was the guy that people talked about. Who's the breakout player on right. this, this Michigan defense? That was the name you heard a lot. Um, that hadn't necessarily shown up maybe to the degree that that you would have hoped. In the first three weeks, uh, but but he was all over the place uh, against Rutgers, and I think you know I think the question is for a guy like him, you know this will this will be a really interesting matchup for him yeah. because he is I mean he's explosive, but he's a little bit undersized for the position yeah. he plays. When you get in one of these games uh, against a team that's going to roll out those three hundred and twenty pound big you know Iowa farm boys yeah, playing right, the offensive 100%. line, yeah. can he hold it down? Uh, I think that'll be interesting to watch. And this has just got to be, at this point, this has got to be a, a defense that swarms together and helps each other erase whatever. Because, you know, I mean, I, I can't stress this enough. Devin Bush was so good here, and I don't think anybody, even when he was at his best, I still don't think people ever really realized fully. Some some did, I'm sure. But I feel like there was a lot of people that sort of just took that for granted. And when you take a guy like that off of your defense, out of the middle of it, like, Devin Bush was the best linebacker Michigan's had since I've been doing this, and I've talked to people that would know that will tell you that Devin Bush is the best football player Michigan's had in 10, 15 years. He was that mm-hmm. good of a player. So when you take him off the field, 
you don't have anybody else to. You don't have yeah. anybody of that caliber to replace him. It just doesn't exist. And so he can make other people around him look better, and all of a sudden he's gone, and now everybody has to kind of fend for themselves. So this really does have to be now, you know, a defense that everybody's got to do it. It can't just be, okay, well, you know, a couple guys can blow their gap and Chase Winovich can go make a play in the backfield, or a couple guys can miss a read and Rashawn Gary can cave the edge and, and everybody will flow and fix it, or Devin will will just chase a guy down from 20 yards out of the backfield and make a play for a two-yard gain that probably should have gone for 15. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are things now to where those mistakes are going to show up on tape. We saw that happen against Wisconsin. Uh, we saw that happen uh, earlier in the season as well. But, I mean, it's just one of these things that uh, it's going to have to be a full effort because, like you said, they're undersized a lot of spots. They do have some speed. But I just I, I kind of feel like they got to have more. they got to have more bodies up front. Michael Blumford got back. Uh, Christopher Hinton has played a little bit. Uh, he traveled to Wisconsin, didn't really play. The freshman, Harbaugh talked about Mozzie Smith today. I think it's probably time to see what those guys have. They're bigger-bodied yeah. guys um, because, you know, Ben Mason and Carlo Kemp hanging in there doing all they can as undersized players is not uh, is not an ideal situation against a team like this. So uh, the front seven, really, for me, is the one thing where I just I don't know what to make of it because, uh, boy, it got humbled, and I, I, I'm not sure. You know, Cameron McGrone, a, a nice couple of weeks for him. I think he actually played well a little bit at times and that Wisconsin lost too mm-hmm. when he had to come in. But So maybe he takes the next step. Maybe he, he pushes forward uh, and maybe one day he'll be that type of player. But, you know, the thing to remember now is Bush was that guy as a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, extremely rare. Like, And I think a lot of people just assume now, well, whoever the next sophomore is going to be mm-hmm. is going to be exactly that. And it's, McGrone could be a really good player, but he's not Devin Bush mm-hmm. and having to fill those holes, I still feel like that defense is finding its way to figure out. Okay, these heavy hitters are gone now. We've all got to do this kind of together to fill up, you know, the gaps that are left. Yeah. How uh, how worried are we? How worried should we be about uh, Michigan's running game? Because you know, right. it kind of gets lost in the shuffle because uh, Michigan had such a good day throwing the ball. I think. Uh, seven plays of 20-plus yards through the air to seven different receivers. That's the kind of explosiveness we were looking for from this passing game. Uh, And it's easy to gloss over the fact that the one thing that didn't come easy again against Rutgers uh, is on the ground. Michigan has not had a game this year where they just move people out of the way, uh, run it up the gut, hit it for eight yards, ten yards, twelve yards. Like it's it's right. four yards, five yards, three yards. Like they have not really been able to get much rhythm going in the running game. Are we worried about that? Yeah. Should we be? Uh, I mean, forty-one attempts for one forty-one, which is three and a half, three point four per carry. Sack adjusted made it three point six. Yeah, that's not good. And Rutgers is not a good football team. And that's not something that I'm. I mean, I'll go back and look at it again. But I mean. Usually when that happens and you see that kind of number when it's well below what it should be, that's going to tell you that some things still aren't going the way they need to be going uh, because even if things are a little choppy, you, you, they're physically just so much better than Rutgers. There's no reason for that uh, to struggle the way it is. But, I, yeah, I mean, they're, they're trying some new concepts. They've had some shuffles with the offensive line. They're playing a lot of backs. You know, we've, saw, we've seen Hassan Haskins get more time in there. True Wilson's working his way back through. They're obviously limiting what Zach Charbonnet is doing now. He's not getting the ball, and they gave it to him 35 times a couple weeks ago, 33 times. 33, yeah. And they've limited that, whether it's health or whatever. Uh, you know, Turner is mixing in there, too. So you got a lot of different backs trying to mix in. You've you've had three different combinations on your offensive line now, I think, or two and a half, whatever you want to call it. Right. So they've changed a lot uh, with that. I think that 
all things combined together, they're still trying to figure out um, how to get everything blocked because it was interesting. You know, last year at this point in the season was when we really started to see the offensive line become a strength of the team. It was the same five every week. Karan Higgins was the guy every week. There was no question about who was going to be back there in the, in the big critical downs. They had their five or six schemes that they were really, really good at, and they hammered people with them. And they don't have that yet. And I would still argue that they don't have one yet that they have on the ground that they know that, that, that'll that work. Uh, and then, of course, the, the, the quarterback run aspect of it is still kind of, I'm not real sure what to make of it. Um, Harbaugh's always said, and he's not running this offense, but he's always said, the run game is, anytime you're installing something new, the run game's the last thing uh, to take off. And I've always found that to be pretty accurate because there's so many moving parts in it. Um, you know, we see that in the NFL a lot too, where it's like, it, it literally is something where if, if a tight end on the outs, on the back side of the play misses something, then a five-yard gain suddenly becomes a one-yard gain. And it's really one of those things. So when you're trying something new, um, it's it can usually take a while for that to go. I, I don't doubt Michigan's talent in the ground game, uh, and I don't doubt their coaching because I think Ed Warner is one of the best offensive line coaches in the country. But gotta have to start figuring out something there. You're gonna have to start figuring out some things you're comfortable with um, and get used to them again because Iowa's really good defensively just like Wisconsin, and a lot of the teams you're going to play from here on out, like we mentioned earlier, are, are of that ilk as well. So um, didn't get a lot of answers in that one against Rutgers. Really didn't. I no. Know what to, you know, we'll, it, we'll see how it goes. And it's hard to get answers, too, about just where they're at with Charbonnet. Yeah. Uh, in terms of so he, he's limited. Is, yep. that, is that just kind of a case of saying, hey, this guy is a freshman. We don't want to... We don't want to run him into the ground, right. give him 30 carries every game. I, Jim Harbaugh said uh, said Monday that 33 carries was too many. Right. Uh, they yeah they laid, looked at that after the Army game and said, we, we can't do this with Zach Charbonnet anymore. But what is not totally clear is, did they say that because, oh, he's hurt? Right. And yes. he's going to be yes. less than 100% for the rest of the season. Yeah. So we have to put him on a pitch count where I think Jim Harbaugh threw out the number of 20 plays per game yeah. uh, for each of the three running backs. Right. Uh, is that because they feel like uh, Zach Charbonnet is not healthy and he can't be out there more than 20 plays? Or is it because they're saying... Ideally, this is the type of uh, balance that we want. You know, I've I've seen people saying, "Well, clearly Zach Charbonnet is not healthy." Yeah. I don't know that I, I can say that. I haven't. I, I just haven't seen him carry the we, ball enough yeah. to be able to say, "Oh, he's right, he's not point. healthy," and that's why yeah. he's not been more successful on the ground. I guess we'll have to define what healthy means five weeks into or four weeks into a season, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you know banged up or, or, or still overcoming. I mean, he did have a knee surgery in the, in the winter. Um, but at the same time, it's like, if he's clearly your best running back and he's healthy enough to play, he's probably going to get the ball, you know? <laughs> like, right. I mean, maybe not 33 times every game, but if you need him to be the guy, he's going to be the guy. Now, are they questioning whether or not he's their best back? You know, I don't know about that. I mean, uh, my... my he, there's got to be something going on with, with the health. I mean, yeah. there's just no other yeah. answer to it. Yeah, you don't give um, him 33 carries and then you know, all yeah, of a sudden give him six. Not to a point maybe where he can't possibly play at all, but it's mm-hmm. certainly something where it needs to be. Did Gaddis say they're managing the situation? Yeah. yeah it's got to be a health yeah, situation yeah. that they're trying to get around and make sure that he's not further doing any damage. And if it gets to that point, you shut him down. But it also gets to a situation where it's like, you know, you do have to have other guys anyway. I mean, 
you know, Turner's going to have to get carries. Drew Wilson, of course, is back in there, and, and you know, we'll see what, what Hassan Askins can do. I, we saw Giles Jackson even going to carry mm-hmm. out of the backfield. So a lot of different stuff, and you're right, they really they haven't found their they haven't found their back who they can trust fully. They've had different offensive line combinations, and you know, that can make things a little wonky because when you're I've never been a big fan or of, of the notion of the running back rhythm thing. I don't really believe much in that unless you have a guy who's just a star. Mm-hmm. But you can see times during the year where if everybody's kind of the same and it's still shuffling and guys have different styles, it can mess with what you're trying to do. I mean, Michigan had those problems a little bit in 17 when they tried to play Chris Evans and Higdon like even splits where Higdon was clearly the the better player at the time hmm. uh, and Evans was a different runner. So he'd come in and things would just get a little off kilter. Not that Evans was a bad player, but it was just, you know, is what it is. So um, a lot of moving parts are a lot of different pieces and a lot of questions that we just don't really have the answer to yet. But this is another example. And a lot of times it's, I think if you go back and look, there's sometimes where they're moving line of scrimmage, but somebody misses a block somewhere in the play or somebody makes a wrong cut or whatever and the whole thing goes goes to hell. And then there's also times where three of them are moving bodies off the line of scrimmage and two of them aren't. Mm-hmm. So that's... We've seen some of that. We've seen a fair amount of that, especially when you play younger tackles. Uh, we're still adjusting. Like I think Mike and Wayne has been really good mm-hmm. uh, at times this year. Ben Bredesen's Ben Bredesen. Um, Ruiz has been a little more up and down than probably they would have liked. I, I think that's fair to say. Runyon's just getting back in there, so we don't really know yet. And Mayfield has been he's hang he's hung in there, but he's mm-hmm. been a redshirt freshman. So you know it's one of those things where. Uh, it's a little different. It's a little different. It's last year, it was all upperclassmen in there, and um, you know things can change a little bit when that changes. I think the number I, I had last week was Michigan was averaging 1.4 yards before contact on yeah, running plays, which I think Jonathan Taylor had more yards before contact <laughs> probably on that one run than <laughs> Michigan's had all season. Yeah. Uh, so you you want to see that uh, you want to see that come up a little bit for sure, and I think I think this all goes back to something you said a couple weeks ago is what's the point in the season when we say okay we no longer have the excuse of oh it's it's early we're still learning this yeah. new offense it's now it's right now yeah. yeah like if if michigan comes out against iowa and looks discombobulated on offense we're, yeah, yeah we're not saying that oh yeah just give them a little more time and it's mm-hmm. gonna come to, no it's like this is the time where yeah. uh if 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 it's gonna happen uh it's got to be you know, Rutgers was the beginning, Iowa is the continuation, and then now you are on a track yeah, right. where this can be the type of offense that can take Michigan where it wants to go. And the type of team that you think you can have. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the, the it's both sides now. I mean, that's can't be overstated, uh, that it's both sides that have serious questions uh, in the line play, uh, in the front seven, in the fronts in general. I mean, I think that that's where I land on it. Um, the fronts on both sides of the ball – this is this is the week right here. We're gonna we're gonna see. I mean, if if you've made any progress at all from that embarrassment, and if you want to say that it was an aberration, if that's what your claim is, or you just didn't show up that day, uh, which boggles the mind how that could happen, right? But if that's <laughs> what you want to say, then you got to go out here against Iowa, a good Iowa football team, uh, and win a game at home that Jim Harbaugh's teams normally win. Mm-hmm. And that's another part of this. We've talked about the road struggles and, and how that separated them from the program from being what it wants to be. This team, you know, in order to live up to whatever baseline standard of all the other teams Harbaugh's had, would win this game at home. They've beaten Wisconsin at home. They've beaten twice. They've beaten Penn State at home twice. They've blown them out twice. They've won tough games at home against good teams. Um, 
this is the type of game where when Harbaugh's got a good, uh, an honest, good, goodness, good football team, they win the game at home, if nothing else. If you start losing these games at home, now we're wondering, okay, well, that's new-ish. You know, it's, I yeah. mean, no, nothing against Iowa, but if you start losing these type of games at home, not to say that it's you should absolutely win this game and it shouldn't be close. Iowa's a really, really good team. They could absolutely mm-hmm. win it. But this is the type of game I look at and say the 16 team wins this game at home. Last year's team wins this game at home. If you're on that level at all, then that's what you do. If you're not, like we just said, we talked about this, what, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, we said this is the week right here mm-hmm. where we point to and say you'll have had enough time, you'll have had a bye, you'll have had a chump in there, you'll have had a good team in there that you played. Now we'll find out you know, what you are. And if you're still yeah, a, a, a total mess, then I don't know what else to call you. Yeah, if they go you out know? and look, they look bad this week, you know, that's not yeah. to say that they won't have a game somewhere sure. down the road where it all comes together. But now that is the aberration. Right. Like, yeah, if yeah. they come out and they look bad in this game, then I think we say, okay, this is what, what this right. team is. Yeah, they're just not. Uh, yeah. Just don't add it. Mm-hmm. So we'll find out one more or the other. Yep. All right, folks. Well, we'll be back on Thursday uh, to look a little, uh, a little more into the Hawkeyes. Uh, so uh, check that out. If you don't subscribe to The Athletic, uh, that means you have two or three days to get that done. And <laughs> get you can, on that, you can hear that show. So uh, thanks, as always, to everybody for checking out the RPM podcast. Uh, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Uh, thanks for subscribing, and we'll talk to you on Thursday.